Welcome to Suddenly I'm a Leader, the podcast. I'm Ann Davis of the RACGP. My guest today is Dr. Emily Kirkpatrick, an alumnus of the Future Leaders Program. She's here to share her leadership experience on choosing directions and her approaches to effectively channeling her focus. Thank you so much for joining me, Emily. Thank you, Anne. I'm just delighted to be able to talk about leadership. It's one of my favourite topics of conversation. Excellent. So hopefully your leadership skills and how you do things is also a favourite topic because we're quite keen to hear about your experiences. So in the current environment, we get very bombarded with lots of experiences, lots of information, lots of white noise, and that can really challenge us being focused. I'm keen to understand what you're actually focused on at the moment. Well, really for me, I've made a very big transition from working in general practice to now working for working for the government essentially as the Deputy Chief Public Health Officer for SA Health. And I've come in as part of the COVID-19 response. So a lot of my focus really is on the pandemic and ensuring really clear links between primary care and SA Health. And that's been an absolute pleasure to be involved in that space but also to really show that this is an area where we can work more collaboratively together between the general practice community and also with the tertiary setting as well. So my focus predominantly is on the intergovernment sort of relations and then also in the general practice space. And it's been a real delight to be able to bring in my primary care experience and then sort of provide that into this very much structured government organisation that you just have no idea when you work in private primary care and then you come into this space, you think, gosh, this is a huge step up and a real challenge. So that's certainly where my focus is at the moment, Anne, is trying to really adapt in this sort of changing world, but also show leadership, particularly so I can make sure that all my GP colleagues are very well supported during the pandemic. This is quite a major shift for you. Was that part of your leadership plan? Look, I had thought about moving into medical administration and combining with my primary care. I'd been working in skin cancer predominantly and I had just finished doing a a master's of skin cancer and had thought about medical administration and how I could really link the two together and provide leadership in that space. But then all of a sudden COVID hit and I've really I've had an interest in public health for some time and completed a Master of Public Health nearly a decade ago. So I'd had this sort of interest in this space. And when the opportunity came up to work at SA Health and provide that really key link between general practice and the government, I just thought, oh my gosh, I have to take this opportunity. So it was all a bit thrown in the deep end. I was having full consulting days with my patients and then the next day I just left and I haven't been back since. So it's all been a bit strange. I still do a few telehealth consults here and there and email exchanges with my wonderful patients, but it's just been a a really unusual world to now be in. I'm interested in that you've said that you've always thought about this type of role, the medical administration, and you've grasped the opportunity while it's there. But I I guess what I'd like to understand is you've done the formal qualifications. What other things prepared you or enabled you to take this opportunity? I like to live a very structured, organised life in the sense that I would always plan out my week in advance and I'd like to plan and decide on where I'm heading at the end of the week and what I'd like to achieve. So 
I really do think it's one of those things where I've sat there and thought about, well, what do I want to do? And as much as I absolutely love general practice and I love skin cancer medicine, I felt that there was more I could do in this world and I felt there was more I could offer with my very much structured brain but that likes innovation. So I sat there and thought, what can I do? And I thought, well, when this opportunity presented itself with all my other current experience in terms of committee work, I did have six jobs before I started this, but I thought, I've got to do this. Are you still doing any of the other jobs? I still have one of my research jobs and I have tried to give it up and I catch up regularly with my mentor over research cocktails, we call it, usually every (laughs) two to three weeks, although COVID's put a bit of a spanner in the works there. But I still do have my education research grant that I was the principal investigator for for the RACGP, which was a learning log research project linked in with GP registrars. So I still have that research project, and that I've still got, but I've had to sadly give up my clinical lecture role at the university and also move away from my other primary care jobs that I had at different organisations. So it has been a bit strange moving, but I'm really hoping to still keep the research going and then get back to it when things get a bit quieter. So having a, a structured approach to things, is that one of the tools that you use to help focus yourself? Oh, absolutely. I've always sort of thought I've got to plan out and map what I'm going to do. So I draw these really big graphs and big bubbles that come out with all sorts of lines drawn in different directions. And people look at it and think, I can't possibly understand what's going on in Emily's head. There's just lines everywhere. But it it is something that I think I need to be structured and planned in what I do. I have two young children who take up considerable amount of time as it does for any mother in terms of all the time I want to spend with them. So I have to be so focused then on the time that I spend in my work life and think, well, how can I maximise and achieve the most in this space? I imagine it's a bit like a brainstorming mind map from what you're describing. Does that structure that you're giving yourself, does it also give you some tools when things don't go to plan? Yes, I have a separate little box for all of those. Of course you do, of course you do. And it happens quite often, to be honest, things don't go to plan. But one of the great things is I'm I'm one of those sort of people that can just quickly get up and keep moving and then I don't look back. I'm sort of a no regrets type of person, which I think works quite well when you've got a mind that just wants to keep moving and do so much to then be able to say, oh, well, it didn't work out. I'll move on and jump to the next thing. So these tools that you use to help you focus, are they ones that other people might find useful? Are they formal ones or are they Emily tools? Look, I think I've tried to read quite a bit to learn about how I can improve my mindset and how I can improve my organisational skill set. And I like to think that I've developed it from other people, not from my own ways of sort of pulling all things together and drawing these crazy mind maps. I remember a few years ago, someone said to me, oh, you should read Laura Vanderkam's books around the hours that she spends doing different things. And I thought, oh, okay. And so I've read now all of her books and I I think last year she released the book, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, or it might have been the year before that. And I remember reading that thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I could do it this way and I could structure an exercise and I could structure all these things so I could maximise my time before the kids get ready for childcare and school and all that. And it was a complete and utter 
flop. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do all the things I wanted to do. It just wasn't possible to fit it all in the 168 hours a week that she talks about in one of her books. And so I do try to read Anne, but I think a lot of it is just learning on the run of how things work and don't work in your own personal circumstances. So what would be your recommendations for people that are looking for ways to increase their focus? Actually, I think there's two things. One is to find their focus and then the second is to maintain it. Having great relationships with other people is one of the key drivers for me and would strongly suggest that to others who are looking at how they can sort of structure and focus in on their key objectives and goals would be to have a mentor-mentee relationship. It's been a really pivotal aspect for me in my life and being able to grow professionally is having a few key mentors who have been able to guide me. And they're generally people that I wouldn't say, oh, you know, I would talk about just work. It's We talk about all aspects of life around friendships and research and around how really the the workplace is working for us, patient issues. I've developed these sort of really great mentor-mentee relationships and I think that's really crucial that it's important if you are thinking about how you can expand your focus and really think about where you're heading with your life and the direction. It's talking with others and seeking advice and really using those lovely relationships as sounding boards to then help you progress. I'm interested, how did you find your mentors? I did have a mentor as part of the Future Leaders Program, which I found really quite insightful and helpful. We were both working in research areas, and that was really useful from that education research perspective that I was looking for. But I've actually found mentors in the workplace. As a registrar, I found a mentor there. I've also found from colleagues that I've worked with and also with parents of other children that my kids are friends with. And then we've sort of developed it into a mentor-mentee relationship. It's fascinating. You'd think it'd be a friendship, but in fact, it's actually, it's more than that because I feel like it's advice-seeking and then I get back this great feedback of how I can really improve and develop myself. And hopefully I provide that in some degree in return, but I do feel like I'm the one getting the most out of it, to be honest. So if you were to give some advice to someone about how to set up that relationship, that mentor-mentee relationship, what advice would you give? Well, I would say look at your existing networks that you already have. So if you have a great relationship with various people through Facebook or online or colleagues online, I think try and develop that to some degree because you've already got that groundwork in place. And then if you're sort of thinking, oh, I'm not, I don't really already have that existing relationship in the online space, then maybe thinking around colleagues or other people that you've admired and thought, gosh, that person looks really interesting or I really like the way they manage this particular practice. Maybe I could learn from them. So what do you do? How do you approach them? Well, I've just approached people straight out. I think that's part of my extrovert personality. <laughs> But I think it's around saying, oh, I'd really like to get your thoughts and opinion on this. Is this something maybe we could catch up on or we could talk about? And it's surprising how many people really want to share and give up their time to help you. I think it's amazing, especially in general practice, in such incredible giving individuals out there who just want to see everyone achieve their best. And I I really do believe that, Anne, that there are such wonderful souls in this world who would be very happy to mentor you if they knew you were looking for that extra advice and extra sounding board around how you want to develop yourself. And are you mentoring anyone? Are you reversing the role? 
Yes, I have a couple of people that I mentor and two people in particular that have started from lecturing at the university that have then sort of taken on a new role and have then come into my practice as medical students previously and then have sort of gone on to this strange, unusual world that we're now in with COVID. I've got a wonderful medical student who's working with me now who's come in to provide assistance as well. And look, I just love the opportunity to be able to chat and hopefully be able to help them in terms of setting their own goals and focusing on what they would like to achieve in say the next six months, 12 months, five years, which is how I've broken up my mind mapping. And tell me, how do you assist them to focus? I did a big whiteboard exercise the other day, actually, where we we had the whiteboard and we sat in the room with one of the medical students and we went through around, well, what was he trying to achieve over the next sort of six months in terms of interest in public health, had his internship next year, how was this all going to fit together? And it was a really great opportunity to be able to map it out and let him talk, but yet I map it at the time while he talked. It was quite an unusual, bizarre experience, really. It was almost like I moved into career counselling rather than mentoring. But I think it really just seeing what people would find most useful to them and then providing that support as required. So if it's it's going out for coffee with someone, if, if it's listening to them on the phone, if it's sitting down and drawing out or writing out what it is that they're really interested in doing, then I, I think it's just sort of working in the space and being flexible and fluid in your approach. So have there been things that really haven't worked? I mean, have you tried things and just did not work for you? I guess I'm looking for any lessons learned. I've definitely tried things that haven't worked. So I've been put into mentor-mentee relationships that just have simply failed. I, I remember an internship we were assigned based on what career pathways we were thinking about. I'm not quite sure why I was assigned to a general surgeon in the country hospital I did my internship in, and it just did not work at all. We had one conversation and it was just an absolute flop. And I thought, oh, gosh, what's up with this mentor-mentee relationship? How does this really help? I just feel worse about myself after that conversation. You know, I think you have to get along with the person to some degree. If you've got no common alignment, I just can't see how it works. And you, you both need to feel good about the situation and not feel that one person's giving too much or not enough. And it, it's got to be an, a sort of an almost an equal relationship to some degree. I would imagine that you would need to have complete trust in that person and they in you. Oh, yes. I think that's what makes it a more honest relationship is that if you have that level of trust, because you're telling them about your desires, your dreams of what you want to achieve in the workplace, where you're heading and or this particular issue that you found maybe with a co-worker or perhaps you're a registrar and it's not working out with a particular senior GP in your practice. I think you need to then know how to then overcome those issues, but feel confident in talking about it with your mentor. So just to finish up, We started talking about focus and moved to mentor-mentee relationships. Any final recommendations or tips for people that are listening about directing and channeling focus? I always like to break things down into smaller problems. So I think, Anne, my take-homes would be try and focus in on what your top three priorities are that you would like to achieve or what are your top three ideals for the rest of the month, for instance, the next six months, 12 months, five years, I find breaking things down into much smaller pieces of what you're going to achieve really helps you to focus in on your key objectives. So that's really, I guess, my take home message is narrow down, focus in on those key three aspects and try not to think about all the noise in the background. That's good advice. Try not to think about the noise in the background. Thank you. 
Emily, thank you so much for spending time with Suddenly I'm a Leader. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Till next time, goodbye and be kind to each other.